Good morning. Welcome to Wyatt. Uh, it's good to be back. Brother Donnie and I were at First Baptist uh, Spring Hill Homecoming last week. Uh, we both have an attachment there. I was raised at that church, and so they had me back to, to preach. And Brother Donnie was the music minister and youth pastor there for several years. In fact, he was my youth pastor uh, my first four or so years in the youth group. He got there right as I was coming into the youth group. And so I sat there and cried as a 15-year-old as he said he was leaving. And uh, I didn't like it. And uh, that was 25 years ago, and God brought him to Wyatt then. And little did I know that God was just opening, even in that, uh, God was opening doors for me uh, six or seven years later to come to Wyatt. And so it's amazing how God is sovereign after all, right? Um, it, it was great to see, uh, it, it was fun seeing Donnie go old school and do the, do the whole thing like that and ditch the guitar for a Sunday. And so that was uh, fun to watch. It looked like he was kind of getting tired. His arms were getting tired. They weren't used to that. Um, but it was fun to watch, and we appreciate you as a church allowing us that, that Sunday to, to go and be with them. A couple of announcements. Um, we, need, we still need preschool volunteers, and the, the great blessing God has given us to this church with kids, uh, there's still a need there, even if it's just signing up and saying, I can't, I can't be on the regular rotation, but if you're ever overflowing and you need some help, I can do that. Uh, or, hey, put me on the regular rotation. We need that. That is a, a ministry that is really needing volunteers. And along those lines, in a, in a few weeks, on October 6th and 7th, we're going to be doing a parenting conference. We're going to be streaming uh, Paul Tripp uh, on uh, the issue of parenting. Uh, it's going to be a conference on Friday night and Saturday night. I'm excited if it's, if it's half as good as the book by the same name. Uh, it's going to be a phenomenal conference for our people uh, for our parents to go through. And we're making the conference free. We're up in the air right now about whether we'll charge for child care. What I would love is to have just a lot of volunteers. Uh, maybe uh, you're an empty nester and, and uh, your, your uh, job uh, of parenting as, as far as in their home is done and so you can come and serve and let these parents uh, go and, and learn some great truths. Um, Friday or Saturday night, you don't have to do both. If you can do one of those, there's a place in the bulletin. If you can do that, where well, you can sign up, uh, if you can find that in the connection card and, uh, and let us know that you would be willing to, to be put on that. I'd love just to make that an absolutely 100% free uh, conference because I would love as many people to, to come that, that can come. This morning, we want to uh, go back to Philippians uh, as we work our way through this amazing and encouraging and hopeful and joy-filled book, despite some crazy circumstances in Paul's life. We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 1, 18 through 30. Now, um, in the New Testament, Philippians is about starts about the last fourth of your New Testament, if you want to uh, turn there and find that. What's, what's happening with this letter is that Paul's in jail. He's uh, apparently maybe under house arrest or something like that. Uh, we know that he can write letters. He can have visitors. Um, and so the Philippians, a church that he loves, that, that, that loves him, that cares for him, has sent somebody with a care package uh, to check on Paul. They're very worried about how Paul is doing. Uh, and they want to come and check on him. And then Paul sets down and he pins this letter uh, for it to be sent back with this man and to let the church know how he is doing. And we, we looked at last time, he talked about how he was doing, and he, but he didn't really talk about how Paul was doing. He talked about 
how the gospel was doing and how the gospel was continuing to to progress despite his circumstances in fact he talks about how they were it was progressing because of his circumstances and so he had joy even in prison and he was enjoying seeing the gospel benefit from his negative circumstances and what we're going to see in our text this morning is that now he's going to kind of turn to what's going to happen okay the kind of the scenarios that he's playing in his mind uh, about what is going to happen uh, to him uh, we're going to start at the second half of verse 18. There's a weird kind of chapter divi- or uh, verse division there that, that doesn't really work well. Uh, so starting with yes in verse 18. Paul says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be it all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall uh, choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all through your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me uh, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is the word of God. We live live in an age of social anxiety, of, of just anxiety there's just always, every time I turn around, there's something to be scared about. Last week, my mom posted a video that uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is poisoning my kids on Facebook. And I thought, we, we buy that in the giant size, okay? And so, yeah, I got something in my, 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 my cabinet that I feed my kids every day that's poisoning them. And tomorrow, it'll be something else that's poisoning my kids. Or uh, I'll tune into Facebook to see what I'm supposed to be mad about. What's supposed to be irritating me? And it, it makes you wonder, what did, how did people survive before social media to tell them all the dangers that are lurking around every corner? And yet in this text, we find Paul, despite being in amazing difficult situations of being under arrest and, and being unsure of how it's going to turn out for him, Despite all of that, we see him very, very relaxed. And I would put forth to you that 
that like Paul, that we as Christians should be the most relaxed people on the planet. That we should live our lives with the truth as Paul lived it, that no matter what happens, it's a win for me. So that's what I want to talk about is, is how to live a win-win life where your circumstances don't determine whether or not you're going to win, but the gospel determines whether or not you're going to win. And that doesn't change with your circumstances. He sees, he's, he's unfolding, and, and we see here that he kind of thinks out loud. He's kind of thinking through um, what may happen to him and, and why this may be better than this or this. And, and we ask, well, why, why is he thinking out loud? Well, I believe that Philippians was very much written. Paul's trying to be an example for this church that he loved. He's trying to put forth to them. And if he doesn't like, let his emotions and feelings be known in this letter, it's not going to be a good example because they're not going to know what's going on in his mind. And so he's really trying to almost think out loud as he writes this letter and try to, tries to decide. He's trying to decide, do I want to stay or do I want them to execute me? That's amazing, right? That, like he's essentially saying, gun to my head, making me choose between the trigger pull and the not trigger pull, I'm not really sure what I would want. And so he goes over these scenarios of staying, continuing his work in the gospel, or leaving and going to be with Christ. And, and here's what he finally decides in verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So what happens here? Does Paul, does he receive some kind of letter from the judge saying, hey, it's, it's okay, it's going to be all right, you're going to be let off? Does he receive some special revelation from God that says, hey, God says, hey, you're not going to die? That's not really what happens here. What happens here is he's convinced. He, he makes a decision. He says, you know, I think this is going to be better for you if I stay. And so I think that's probably how this is going to pan out. We're going to see in the next chapter that he's still like entertaining the idea that this might end in execution. So what he's saying here is, when I really think through all the scenarios, I think even though my desire and my heart is to be with Christ, I think I want to stay to serve and to help you. And, and so I want to look at these two scenarios that he walks through, and then I want to, as he applies it to the Philippians, I want to apply it to our own lives. So Paul first, he desired to live his life because he loved people. That's why he wanted to stay, because of his love for the Philippians, his love for other churches that, that he was partnering with. And his, his, his draw towards staying, his draw towards wanting to live, it's about his love for people and seeing people come in contact with the gospel and seeing them prog progress and, and grow in the gospel. We see Paul, when it comes to this love of others, Paul lived a dependent life on others. We, while most of this text is concerned with the Philippians' need for Paul, uh, we can easily skip over his acknowledgement of his need for them. And we see that in verse 19. He says, 
For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. We see, uh, like, Paul is almost so cool and collective, it bothers me. Like, it's like, man, what, like, what's the deal? I don't have that kind of strength, Paul. Like, what are you doing here? Like, how can you muster up this kind of calm in these circumstances? And the reality is, is that Paul even acknowledges in the text, man, it is the prayers of my friends. I'm being sustained, not on my own, but he says, through the Spirit of Christ in me and through the prayers of my friends. Let us be people. Let us be people that live our lives where we know and we're so connected with one another that we know that people are praying for us. I'd like us in many ways, and there may be sometimes where it's necessary, but I'd like to get away from unspoken prayer requests. Sometimes maybe that needs to be done. But let's let our requests be known to one another. And that's why things like small, like uh, connection groups and things like Sunday school and just having close relationships. Are there people in your life that you never have to do unspoken prayer requests because I mean, you're just not afraid to let them in? You're not afraid to let them know the doubts in your heart that you're feeling over a situation. You're not afraid to let them know that you have weakness here and they need to be praying for you. And if the Apostle Paul was absolutely dependent on the prayers of the Philippians, then we all need to be dependent on the prayers of one another. So let's make our requests known to each other and let's pray for each other. Let's walk through life with confidence that others are caring for us through prayer. And Paul lived a life in the service of others. That's why he was felt drawn to stay. Verse 22, If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul felt a draw to live because his life had meaning because he was pouring it out for other people. That his connection to this earth wasn't in his car, it wasn't in his home, it wasn't in the riches of this world. His connection to this earth was the people of God and seeing new people of God made and seeing the gospel grow people. That's what he was about. His connection was the gospel in people's lives and seeing it. And he loved it. And he loved to partner with people like the Philippians. And that is, is, is the main reason that, that he felt a desire in his heart to stay. His life on this earth was, was, was in many ways hard. I mean, after he finally turned from a persecutor of the church and a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he turned to a person being persecuted, that he would endure these beatings for the gospel, and he would endure these imprisonments for the gospel. It was, it was hard, but but it was work that he was willing to do for the joy that he felt when people heard about Christ and were changed by him. Paul lived a life desiring to see Christ glorified in people. That's, that's where his joy on earth came from. 
beyond, you know, yes, knowing and loving Christ, which we'll see in a moment, but his connection to this earth was seeing a, a joy in seeing people change. In verse 25, he, he, he longed to linger for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul was someone who got involved in people's lives because he wanted to see them grow in Christ. And let me tell you something, that's not an easy thing to do. Listen, relationships are messy. I mean, if you're just going to stick with your family and and just do your thing, man, and never risk being hurt. And that's easy. To, to be in relationship with other people, to be involved in their progress spiritually is a messy thing. But it's a mess worth making. Listen to me. Uh, none of our spiritual progress is a straight line right man it's it's not a straight line it's curvy so when we're dealing with other people we're going to be dealing with people that are not consistent and people that are up one day and man you think man they're on top of the world they're getting this thing and the next they're at the bottom you're like what happened yesterday was so good and today you know there are going to be people that you pour into spiritually that you get involved in the progress of their faith and they're going to actually demonstrate that they're not believers and they're eventually, they're gone. They fall away and show that they never truly bought into this thing of Christ. There are going to be people, when you get in people's lives, man, people are needy, right? And they're going to want things from you and and man, they're going to want sometimes more than you want to give. You're going to get involved and start giving to them, and they're going to want more. It's messy, but it's a mess worth making. I'm convinced that, that, that Paul and, and, and anyone would say that someone, if, if you're involved in relationship, that when you hold up the messiness and the pain next to the joys it doesn't compare. The joys are amazing when you are involved in someone's progress in the faith. And Paul was involved in the progress and the joy in their faith. And I'm not just talking about formal discipleship relationships, so that, that definitely has a place where you, man, you get somebody and you pour into that. I'm talking, man. Every day, just being involved in each other's lives and, and, and in, the, in the hallway here at church of talking to one another and encouraging one another. And let us be, get uh, progress in the faith because of one another, because of getting involved in each other's lives. Paul lived a life that, that made his life important to others. Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So Paul had interjected himself into these people where he thought, man, it's necessary. I need to stay. There's still some things that I need to teach you. There's still some progress we need to make here. 
Let me ask you something. Do you live your life in such a way? Do we as a church live our individual lives that if the members of Wyatt Baptist Church cease to exist tomorrow, would this town feel it? Would, would people be going, what do I do? I, I need my friend. I need my, my gospel-preaching, Jesus-loving friend. Where did they go? Let us, I, my prayer, and I believe that, that, that in many ways we are, and I hope we continue to grow to be a church that in the community is glad that we're here and we're necessary for the functioning of this community, especially the spiritual growth of this community, in this community hearing the gospel of Christ and seeing people live the truths of the gospel every day. So we see in that Paul had desire to, to stay. There was, there was a pull to stay. We also see in Paul this desire of death. This desi- he desired death because he loved Christ. And so he thinks through that scenario and the benefits of his death. Paul saw death as his final union with Christ. In verse 23, he said, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. His desire was to be with Christ. It, it, it seems like in this text, if you really read it, you see where his heart is pulling towards death and being with Christ. That's kind of what he wants to do. And then his mind and his head, he's still thinking, man, i got some stuff that, that I need to do here. I've got some people that still need to hear the gospel. I've got some Christians that still need to grow some more. And so, like, and I think both of them should be involved when it comes to thinking through our lives. We should have a head that's here, that's thinking about, what we need to be doing, but our hearts should also be drawn to Christ and longing to be to that for that day to to be with Christ. I, as last spring, as many of you know, I was dealing with some health issues and my my pancreas wasn't acting right, and there was some abnormal MRIs, and and for a couple of months there, there was a question mark, not a huge one, but but enough to, to worry me deeply about what was going to happen. And I would love to say that, man, when I was getting, the, the doctor said, we don't know. We're just going to have to look again in a couple months. I love to say that I walked out of the office going, to die is gain. Yay. Man, I hope that really turns out. I hope I get a, a malignant report when I go back. That's not where my heart was. My heart was thinking... I've got a wife, I got I got my boy, I got my girls. If something happened to me, you know, I would miss out on seeing a lot of milestones. Um I would I would miss out on taking care of them. Who's gonna take care of them? And so that's where my heart was leaving the doctor's office. And and I, I think that's natural and that's fine. And, and Paul had the same thing going on, so much so that he finally decided, my attachments to this earth with working with these people, I think that's what I want to go with. And so Paul had that too. 
But I felt like in that kind of a little bit of a dark night of my soul, I did see, Adam, you do not desire Christ as much as you should. Because while, yes, you should have fears and care, and, 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 and care for your family, there should also be a, a longing in your heart that, hey, and Christ is awesome and I could be with him. And, and what I saw was, and I'm just admitting, I, I just always want y'all to know that we as pastors, we don't stand up here as supermen. We are men that, especially in the dark night of the soul, we see deficiencies. There with Paul, it seemed like the natural setting of his heart was, I want to be with Christ. And he almost had to talk himself into staying, where I felt like in my soul, it was much more, my natural inkling, inkling was, I want to stay and I try, started trying to have to talk myself into, am I going to be okay with going? And I just think, I as, a, as one of your pastors, and I think us all on this earth where we tend to get so comfortable, we all need to think through, do I have this kind of affection for Christ that the default longing of my heart is just simply, man, I want to go be with Him. So I would encourage you as I've, I'm trying to grow in my affections that the next time I do get bad news, whether it's, or uncertain news, whether it's next year or whether it's 70 years down the road, that, that my affections for Christ would be prepared for such news. Paul had earthly attachments he, it was not biological family but spiritual family that gave him attachments to this earth but his affection for christ was so great that it made death appealing we all need to go hard after christ so that if we did get if we did have an uncertain moment like paul's having here that he would say man it'd be great it would be great to go be with Christ. Paul saw death as better, too. In, in verse 23, he said, for, for that is far better. Okay. Now, this isn't surprising, is it? I mean, when you look at Paul's life, constantly in prison, being stoned and left for dead, People hating him all the time. Like, no wonder Paul's like, that would be better. Because Paul lived a life of labor, of not of seeking after the most comfortable things, but seeking after whatever benefits the gospel. And, and for that, God said, suffering is what is going to benefit the gospel in your life, Paul. You're going to be a sufferer for the gospel. And that's what Paul what Paul endured and, and what he said, that's what that's my job. And because of that, he said, I'm ready to go rest. And and applying that to our lives, I wonder if and we're just not so after comfort and looking for comfort and making ourselves at home here. That there is no labor going on, that there is no rest that we need because we're not really laboring like we could be for the gospel. Paul 
was a man that enjoyed, he went after labor and work, and he worked hard. And that's one of the reasons why he saw death as better, because, man, it's hard. I'm ready to get out of this world and just go rest. I'm tired. We, saw that, we see that Paul saw his death as an opportunity to honor Christ. We, in verse 20, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Martyrdom was, I mean, this is a world in which modern, uh, martyrdom was constantly happening. People were dying for the faith. Paul knew that. Paul had seen it. Paul had held clothes while someone got martyred, where Stephen got martyred. He held the coats so that everybody could get just a good throw in. Okay, to kill this guy. So Paul had seen martyrdom. And he knew that with martyrdom comes an honor in what you're dying for. And so that was an element that was playing in Paul's mind that, hey, right, I'm in prison right now and people are hearing about I'm in prison for Christ and, and they're praising Christ for that. If I die, they'll praise him even more. And so he, he saw it as an opportunity to honor Christ in his death so then he transitions and he turns his thoughts away from himself and to the philippians and i think the things that he calls them to is really kind of what he's been talking about in his own life and i think that's what god would call us all to as well so paul desired for the philippians to know his peace to live a life where everything was win-win and here, here's the elements of making life a win-win, no matter what our circumstances are. First, by striving in gospel work. I may, uh, verse 27, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So Paul says, hey, I want you to stand firm in the gospel, and I want you to labor. I want you to strive for the gospel. And so, man, when we're working and we're seeing lives change and we're seeing people grow, then that brings joy and that, that makes us thankful. Even when times are hard, even when people let us down in relationships and it gets messy, it's still that great joy of seeing people progress, seeing people grow in their faith. There's joy in that, even... You know, then the harder we work, the more joy we'll have. I mean, I look around, I think about people in our church that, man, they, they cast themselves into relationships for the gospel. And they're frustrated sometimes. But man, their joy in those relationships and the, the, the things that they get in return and the, the benefits that they get in, in being able to watch someone grow, it far outweighs any of the frustrations and laboring and he also talks about side by side working together you, we do this side by side we do this as members of a church what a beautiful thing that is and and paul says man you need each other and so paul's been talking about how much he needs the philippians and he's saying hey don't do it alone you do it with a group of people you do it with a congregation and so we want to be a people that are not just laboring but laboring side by side encouraging one another praying for one another, supporting one another, getting in there next to each other uh, when the burdens are too much for one of us. And then 
Paul also tells them that they should know his peace by resting in their salvation in verse 28. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So joy in this life comes through striving in the gospel okay joy in life comes through striving the gospel but salvation that's not something we strive after that is something that as this verse says has been given to you to us by god and that's the confidence that's where the confidence comes in that that we are justified by christ it's not my performance it's not how hard it's not that i'm a I got to be a Paul. I got to rise to Paul's level to be justified. No, I've been justified by the work of Christ, just like Paul was. And that's our rest. That's, that's what we rest in. We strive to, to have joy and, and to do the things that we need to do because it brings us joy and it, it brings God glory. But when it comes to our salvation, we're resting in what Christ has done for us. He says here, your enemies, man, they won't know what to do with you. And that's, that's how Paul lived his life, right? Like, Paul, we come to a decision, we're going to put you in prison. Awesome. People will know I'm here for Christ, and I'll get to preach uh, to, the, to the other people here in prison. And they're like, okay, Paul, we're going to kill you. Yes, to die is gain. I get to go be with Christ and my salvation it will be fulfilled. Dang. Okay, Paul, we're going to let you loose, but don't preach anymore. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm going to preach if you set me free. What do you do with this guy? As an enemy of Paul, everything they wanted to hurt him just rolled off him. Even the, his, the people that were Christians that were, hey, we're going to go preach out of out of uh, rivalry and and man we're gonna take over paul's ministry because he's in jail and paul's like awesome the gospel gets preached because paul rested in the salvation of god that comes from god and from god alone and then he says by treasuring Christ even in your suffering for it has been in verse 29 for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake so Paul says hey you've got to if you're going to live in this life and you're going to live this life of man of being okay no matter what happens you're going to have to be okay with suffering because suffering is going to come and you need to honor God in the suffering. Whatever happens to you, and, and of course Paul's going to unpack this in, in later chapters with uh, some of the most uh, popular verses when it comes to contentment. But Paul's saying, and no matter what happens, you've got to find a way. You can hurt, you can, you can cry, but you've got to find a way in it to honor Christ, to, to trust Him, that, that He... Is that he's going to bring ultimate good from it, and he's going to he's going to be glorified through it. You've got to embrace suffering like Paul did to realize 
to not be shocked. I mean, Paul just seems never shocked when things go bad. I mean, we worship the one who came to this earth, did everything right, and was crucified, was tortured and crucified. You think you're going to fare in this world without suffering? We treasure him. We, we overcome suffering with joy. Paul says in verse 30, Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Paul, like Paul, we should all be torn between two worlds. Right? You hear people say, people are of, of, of such uh, heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good, or they're of, you know, opposite, they're of such earthly good that they're no good in heaven. They're earthly minded. And the reality is, is that we need to have both in our life. That we do need to feel connected as Paul was with people. You should be connected to El Dorado, Arkansas. That's where you are. Man, that's where God's put you. And you need to be connected here and, and you need to be in relationships where you interject your life into, into the progress of other people growing in the faith. And as long as God puts you here, that's, that's your calling. is to be someone who lives in such a way that helps others um, see and live the gospel. But you should also be longing in your heart for the day when you're going to rest from it all. That you're going to be uh, with Christ and at that time everything will be wiped out, right? All the suffering, all the pain. And so we, we should live in this place between that Paul lived in, in this moment. If I don't gun to my head, man, it's hard for me to make a decision. We should, if we all had that where, man, I love being on this earth and being with people and serving people and preaching the gospel to people, but at the same time, man, I love Christ and I want to be with Him. Man, if that would be the conflict of all of our hearts, And what joy we would live. We would live a life. We would live a life that was win-win. And no matter what good, no matter what bad comes in our life, we're just joyful. And we see it as a win because Christ is glorified. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. And as you please stand, I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. just ask you to, to respond to God's word, however... He has spoken to you uh, through His Word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank You, God, that we as Christians have been given everything we need to live lives where we don't have to worry about what's going to happen. We don't have to worry about what's happening that although there are concerns and although there is there's so much to be worried about, God, ultimately, God, we win because you win, because you have won. And God, I pray that you would move in our hearts and help us, God, to feel both the pull to work and serve and love people 
in the pool to be with you, God, may that be the constant tension of our hearts so that we may be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray.